Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 785th day together in the Word of God here in year three of our three-year journey through God's Word. One chapter at a time, we say, but today we're actually going to have three chapters because we're going to do Job 4 and then Psalms 113 and 114. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here before your word to hear from you. We need to hear your voice through your word by the power of your Holy Spirit speak to us, to our hearts, to our lives, that we might believe, that we might receive, that we might respond, that we might love you, that we might live for you according to your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Job chapter 4. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If one ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? Yet who can keep from speaking? Behold, you have instructed many, and you have strengthened the weak hands. Your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have made firm the feeble knees. But now it has come to you, and you are impatient. It touches you, and you are dismayed. Is not your fear of God your confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope? Remember, who that was innocent ever perished? Or where were the upright cut off? As I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. By the breath of God they perish, and by the blast of his anger they are consumed. The roar of the lion the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken. The strong lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. Now a word was brought to me stealthily. My ear received the whisper of it amid thoughts from visions of the night. When deep sleep falls on men, Dread came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice. Can a mortal man be in the right before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? Even in his servants he puts no trust, and his angels he charges with error. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed like the moth. Between morning and evening they are beaten to pieces, they perish forever without anyone regarding it. Is not their tent cord plucked up within them? Do they not die, and that without wisdom? So here is Eliphaz the Temanite. And he's hesitant to speak at first. But the words that Job just spoke that we read yesterday in Job 3 are so strong, so bold, so assertive, that he feels compelled to respond. And the first thing he says, he reminds Job of how many times Job has been used by God to minister his word to others. Job is one who's taught many, who's strengthened many, who's upheld many, who's made firm many. He's an encourager. He's, he's an instructor. He's a teacher. He's an advisor. He's a counselor. And now it comes to him 
and he's impatient. Now, there's some truth to this. As a pastor, as a Bible teacher, I can preach, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, present your request before God. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do everything without complaining or arguing. And I can preach those things and I can teach those things and I can encourage people, give thanks in all circumstances. And yet when bad things happen to me, much less than what happened to Job, I can be quick to complain. And so there's some truth to what Eliphaz is saying here. And yet, he doesn't really try to understand Job. He doesn't really try to sympathize with Job and try to understand where he's coming from. He lacks empathy in his dialogue with Job. And he's rebuking him. Is not your fear of God your confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope? Well, hopefully not for Job. Hopefully Job was not, was not fearing the Lord and walking in integrity just to get good things from God. That's kind of the implication of that question, that if you feared God and you were confident that you would get good things. And it, we say that's the implication. I say that because follows in verse 7, remember who that was innocent ever perished. Well, Jesus, for one, of course, this is hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, but it's still true that while there's no one perfectly innocent, and later he's going to say that, and that's going to also be have some truth to it, while no one's perfectly innocent, if he's drawing this line that says innocent people are blessed by God and are not cut off, that is, people who trust God, people who walk in integrity, people who fear the Lord, they, they don't ever perish, they're not ever cut off, but it's only those who plow iniquity and who sow trouble reap the same. If he's saying that as an, as an absolute, which is kind of what he's asserting, then that's wrong. Because a general principle of life, so generally speaking, you do reap what you sow. And if you sow to the flesh, you will from the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will from the spirit reap eternal life. There is a pattern of sowing and reaping that God has actually woven into the fabric of creation. It's better to tell the truth than to lie. It's better to work hard than to steal. It's better to give to others generously than always be greedy and seeking your own. And generally speaking, your way in life is going to go better with you if you're living according to God's law. But that's not an absolute. That's not a promise that if you seek the Lord and you fear the Lord and you try to walk in integrity according to the word of God, that nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. Nor is it true that everyone who lies and cheats and steals immediately suffers the consequences for their actions or even ever in this life suffer truly the consequences for their actions. So he's taking a truth, and this is the pattern with Job's friends. They take theological doctrinal truth and they apply it in a wooden heavy-handed way that lacks empathy and that lacks uh, an understanding that God works in mysterious ways his wonders to perform and that he doesn't always do things according to simplistic A plus B equals C kind of logic. Then there's this word in verse 12. He's trying to set this up. He's going to actually speak the word in verse 17, 18, but he's trying to set this up here in 12 to 15, 12 to 16 by saying, 
I got a word from the Lord. He goes into all sorts of detail about this vision that he had. Did he really have this vision? We don't know, right? But he's claiming he did, that he had this great vision from God, and it was this great word from the Lord. And what was the word from the Lord in verse 17? Can a mortal man be made right in the before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? Even in his servants, he puts no trust in his angels. He charges with error. Now, it is true that all people are sinful. It is true that a mortal man cannot be in the right before God because we're all guilty, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But again, what is he saying here? He's saying that those who are most guilty of sin are the ones who are most being punished by God. Therefore, those who are most being punished must be most guilty of sin. You can have the right set of propositional truth, and if you don't apply it in love, with humility and wisdom, you can be beating someone over, over the head with the medicine that's supposed to minister to their soul. And that's what we see Eliphaz the Temanite doing, and he's not alone because all of Job's friends are going to do some variation of this, some more boldly and some more subtly. Let's go to Psalm 113. Psalm 113, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Here we see the goodness of God. We're seeing the trouble of Job, right, in the book of Job. We're seeing the sometimes hard providences of God. But we have to take all of Scripture together. We have to take the whole counsel of God's Word together. Just because Job, we said yesterday, is right in being honest in his pain and not putting on a mask and pretending, doesn't mean that he's not also obligated to give thanks to God and to rejoice always, even in the midst of that pain. So there's a balance to Scripture, and Job gives us truth, but also Psalm 113 gives us truth. And that truth is that God is to be praised. God is praiseworthy. Everyone should praise him. All over the world, everyone should praise him. Why? Because he's high above all the heavens. His glory is above all the heavens. He's over all the nations. He's seated on high. That means he's enthroned. He looks down upon the heavens and the earth, raising the poor from the dust, lifting the needy from the ash heap, making them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. In other words, God is good. His good providence, his rule over all creation and all nations and all people on earth, and the goodness of his providence is cause for us to praise the Lord. And we should always Praise the Lord, because he's always sovereign and he's always good. Psalm 114. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, 
Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Psalm 113 is a universal call for all people all over the world to praise the Lord because God's goodness in providence is seen all over the world. But Psalm 114 is specifically for God's covenant people, his redemptive goodness to his own. So everyone in the world owes God praise and should praise God because God is good to everyone. If you're alive in the world, if you're eating food, if you're breathing air, if you're experiencing life, God is being good to you and you should praise him. But this is more specifically about God's goodness to his people in redeeming them, bringing them out of Egypt, out from a people of strange language, bringing them into the promised land. And the sea, the Red Sea, looks and flees. The Jordan River parts. And then all obstacles, all problems, all the peoples of the Canaanites, they, they just, they're gone. They're gone before the Lord bringing his people in. Even to the point where God, during the Exodus, as he's bringing his people into the promised land, was able to turn a rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. So as a, as a counter to what we're getting in Job, not a counter, but a balance, counterbalance, not like an, against it, but to hold all things in, in, in proper perspective, we are to be thankful to God, thankful to God for his providence and even more thankful to God for his redemption, because we've been brought out of our own spiritual Egypt, the house of bondage, bondage to slavery and death. We've been brought into the promised land, the promised land of being in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that took a bigger miracle than a rock becoming a pool of water. It took God becoming a man. And then the righteous one becoming sin for us and for our salvation. Isn't that, that's a far greater miracle than getting water out of a rock. God becomes man, and then the righteous one becomes sin for us. And then death is swallowed up in victory. So, is life hard sometimes? Yes. Do we always understand the ways of the providence of God? No. Are there times where we just have to be honest that, that, that life is puzzling to us? Absolutely. But through it all, through it all, we also must praise the Lord for his providential goodness that we see and don't see, and always for his redeeming power and love to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. Always. Whether we see it or not, whether we take notice of it or not, forgive us for not seeing when we should. And at those times when we just can't see because we're overwhelmed with pain, remind us of the cross of Jesus Christ where our sin was dealt with forever in love. Praise you, Father. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining me today. Tomorrow we're going to jump back to 1 Thessalonians and pick up the final chapter, chapter 5. Have a blessed day in the Lord.